0: Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today we've brought on another incredible guest on the show today. His name is Melvin Landry, and he is the founder of Moreland Equity Capital. He's a real estate professional with a single family portfolio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He is also a college professor and has over 20 years of experience in corporate procurement and supply chain management across various industries. So, Melvin, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Doing well. Happy, healthy, and day. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. So can you share a little bit more about your background and how you got started with real estate?
1: Sure, sure. So um native of South Louisiana. So I grew up in a parish thirty miles west of New Orleans. And um, you know, it was... Matriculated through education. So I have uh, three degrees and finishing up a doctorate. So I mentioned I'm a college professor and uh, stumbled into real estate. So I went to a seminar back in like 2005, 2006. And it was a, a seminar for Brookview Financial, which was a private money lender, lender at the time. So I decided to get my feet wet and jump into real estate. And while I was living in Nebraska at the time, I decided, let me give this real estate a try. So I started buying And I started buying and buying and buying. And lo and behold, uh, you know, my first property, and I'll take a step back. They say life comes full circle. So I've been, I love my market. I live in Pittsburgh. I've been investing in Pittsburgh since 05, right? 05, 06. First property I bought was a duplex, uh, about 18 minutes from the house. And I got it fixed up and, uh, you know, got program tenants in it. I love affordable housing. That's one of the niches that I, that's part of my business plan that I like. And uh, it worked out pretty well. So I just started buying and buying and buying. It, it got infectious along the way. And lo and behold, I'm living in the middle of the heartland of the country, far away from home. And uh I've invested in three states all of a sudden. I'm like, whoa, okay. So grew pretty fast. Uh Kind of had my foot on the gas, but, you know, it it was kind of like a hobby. And uh, I knew I was, I was a landlord. I was cool with it. I was getting cash flow. And was buying properties is economical, so uh, that's kind of how it started for me.
0: So in the beginning, you were living in Nebraska, and you started yeah. building out the portfolio in Nebraska first before moving to Pittsburgh, and then started buying out over there.
1: No, so I started buying in Pittsburgh. While oh, while you were in living Nebraska. in Nebraska, yeah. So I um, see. reason why my people people ask me all the time why Pittsburgh? Well, my buddies from college, my fraternity brothers, they were professors. In the Pittsburgh area. So I used to come hang out with the buddies way back when, right? And uh, one of them had a, two rentals and, uh, you know, kind of been a mentor to me. My buddy, uh, Dr. Ron Wagner, was from St. Louis. And uh, when he always kind of put me on the idea, I typically used to take it and run with it. So uh, ended up, uh, lo, lo and behold, I had you know 15 properties and I kind of went gangbuster. So after that, I started buying, I bought a, um, a condo, in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I bought a single family house in Indianapolis while continuously buying REO properties in Pittsburgh. So economical. Um, I was visiting there you know, a couple times a year, and I had kind of worked up a little system. But then I decided to go get a mentor. And then went gangbusters. So my mentor is still alive today. He's out of Florida. I want to send a shout out to Mr. Mike Big Lane, who still provides me guidance and insights to this day, even though I've kind of ramped up to multifamily and doing some uh, different diversified things. So, got an education, got a mentor. That's what kind of really helped me springboard. But you know, but my mindset was a little different than what it was today.
0: Well, what was your mindset at that time?
1: Secondary. It's kind of like you know, I, you know, I wasn't, I had my foot on the gas, but I wasn't really pushing it down, right? So. And I had worked up 25 dollars $30,000 of passive income. And I had my W-2 still. And I was teaching a few classes. Life was pretty good. Wasn't married at the time, right? So I can do all these multiple different things, right? So uh, life catches up with you, right? You can get a family and things of that nature. But uh, yeah, things were going pretty good. And I was just buying. So then 20, 2008, 2009 hit. Some people get burned. I was one of those guys. Right, the uh, condo in Scottsdale, Arizona, I bought for almost three hundred K. I ended up short selling it eighty. Single family home I had in Indianapolis, I ended up short selling that too. But the the properties I had in Pittsburgh, because uh, I was buying them cash, I was able to hold on to that. So kept the fire lit there. So uh, you know, after uh, kind of you know streamlined the portfolio, I went from three states to one, and I just decided to uh, this is where I need to be. I know this is my niche and let me just kind of stick to it. So kept buying, you know, it was because wilted, right? Knocked down, but I got back up and started running again, started buying properties. Uh, I worked, up, got a power team, had a realtor back then who I was working with, had a contractor, had two crews, had my title lady. So I'd worked up a nice system that was in place and I was able to ramp up accordingly again and really, really kind of go for speed 2011, 20, 2012,
0: 2013. So, so- yeah. The Arizona property and the St. Louis properties didn't fare so well during the 08, time timeframe, but nope. your Pittsburgh properties continue to perform. Was it the market itself or was it how you bought the properties or what was it that allowed the Pittsburgh one to continue to perform while the other ones didn't?
1: Didn't buy right. I didn't buy Arizona right. I bought that condo interest only 12 months, hoping that the appreciation was going to kind of carry through. Like falling off a cliff, right? <laughs> and I, uh, she lived me and learned. So it was a good experience. And uh, with that Arizona property, you know, I had a husband and wife couple. They were about 70, 75. Nice couple. You know, a lady ended up losing her husband. And uh, it became difficult for her. Difficult for me. I had an interest-only loan, right? And I was subsidizing that, too. Luckily, I had cash flow. From other opportunities to help subsidize it. So I wasn't quite worried. Then she couldn't stay there, ended up moving out, fell behind. And, you know, so uh kind of made a decision to kind of kept fueling the bleeding, but I decided to, uh, you know, let's see if we can kind of get it sold. Couldn't get it sold, ended up short selling it. So, and barely, barely just barely just got a short sold because, you know, as with a short sale, right? You know, if you're making your payments, you're not trying to take it back. So, uh had to kind of uh you know, kind of turn the script, not pay, right? In that instance, and uh, ended up going through, but it barely went through because it took even after things kind of went south, because I was trying to get in 12, 14 months to be out. There was another eight to 12 months after that while I was kind of lingering while I was trying to execute the short sale and it didn't happen, right? It finally got it done. So it was a learning experience. And uh, you know, you, you don't make money when you sell real estate. You got you gotta buy it. Right, you have to buy it right. That's where you make your money when you buy it, when you account, when you understand the economics, the analytics. You got to buy it right. That's oh, uh, that was my aha moment for me. Yeah.
0: So the Pittsburgh properties, uh, how were you buying those ones? Was it conventional? Did you have long-term debt on them, or what was a little bit different about that one?
1: So I was buying REOs cash. Kind of started, built it up, had a nice little cash flow. Then I kind of did a couple of fix and flips with private funding. Okay. Um, Then I refinanced to cut another cluster into a lower rate. And uh, anytime I can buy distressed properties, I'm trying to grab them. 15, 20K. The capital was there. I was grabbing them. I knew the markets. I knew the areas, programs and things. That's how, you know, if I could grab cash, I was... If I had the capital, I was grabbing on cash. So, and did a couple of fix and flips, uh, you know, a year, four to five, kept my crews busy. And uh, while in addition, while buying others, while trying to get stable income to complement the portfolio. So, was building, I built it the right way, learned from my mistakes and, uh, you know, knock on wood, didn't have any issues since, right? Since that, uh, since that, so since those two short sale debacles yeah, 2010, 2011, because it lingered mm. from 08, 09. So, yeah.
0: So then in Pittsburgh, you realize that was the niche, that was where you wanted to be. When did you decide to physically move? Yeah, when did you physically decide to move out to Pittsburgh and be in that area? What drove that move for you?
1: Great question. Let me continue the story. We're in 2011, 2012 now, right? I find a lady of my dreams, my wife, met her in mid eleven. Gage 2012, got married in 2013. My son was born in 2014. And in 2015, we decided to open up a franchise, a dessert franchise. At the time, I had uh, in between all that time, I went from Omaha to Las Vegas. <laughs> so I got married and everything, everything's rolling. So uh, when we decided my wife wanted to go into the entrepreneurial journey of uh, of opening up our own business, I supported it wholeheartedly, 110%. And life was going good on the real estate front. So just continually building, 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 built a portfolio, nearly 60 properties. Cash flow was going good. The mindset was still the same as back then. This wasn't like can go to real estate full time, could not deal with the W-2. I was still doing it. I was still W-2, still teaching and still just growing real estate indirectly. The feet was on the gas, but it wasn't quite on the gas, right? Because I was just, I'm happy with where I'm at. So, you know, we got into this business ordeal and, um, you know, did that four years end up not being a, another good decision. It wasn't a good decision. So uh, we closed it in 2019 before COVID.
0: The franchise. Uh,
1: yeah. Before COVID, as with any contractual agreement, right? There come issues if you break the contract. So luckily I had that stash property uh, allocation built up because I had to liquidate 80% of it. <laughs> To deal with you know legal fees, fees and other type of stuff, so uh, I had to liquidate that. So I had to you know again, right? Kind of going through and kind of recycle. I had, I sold nearly the whole portfolio to get to where I needed to be in terms of uh, exiting the business.
0: Your real estate portfolio,
1: yeah, I I, I had to liquidate. It was selling, and you know, it was like hotcakes. I was selling. I mean, it's cash flow and rentals. So I, yeah, had to liquidate it to, uh, to kind of change the course. To uh, avoid any kind of further kind of litigation, and uh, you know, was I concerned? You know, I, I had to process, so I know I could have. Been, we know we, I can build it again. I know my market. I know what I'm looking for. So felt even more confident than ever, even though I had to sell Right. So some things you gotta you, you gotta do for the sake of making the decision, and it was the right decision uh, to go ahead and sell off that portfolio. So that was kind of like the grades, you know, the 1920s, the grades of the single family, and then. Shortly after that, right, we're in Texas, and then you know my wife's like, "Let's let's get out of there. Let's go somewhere different." So we made, you know, we had two choices: either we go to sunny Florida or Pittsburgh was a secondary option. But we ended up being it. Why not go here? You know the area. You're in the real estate. We can continue to build this thing again. Not concerned about that. and I wasn't. And uh, like, look, I can live anywhere. If I live in Nebraska, I can live in Pennsylvania. So 2021 Father's Day, we moved here. And, uh, we live in the number one school district in the state of PA, uh, son's doing well involved in sports. That's pretty good. It's easy. It's an easy living area. You know, there's a conundrum that folks talk about red state versus blue state, where they would invest in. Doesn't matter. In my opinion, I've done very well here and, um, going to be here for quite a while. You know, got sons in, uh, you know, he's a young, young child now. So be cool to watch him matriculate and grow. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a pretty cool town. It's different from where I'm from, different from where my wife's from. But uh, yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh's pretty cool. It's different, different from where you're at. So yeah.
0: <laughs> so back when you had to liquidate the franchise business and you had to sell off the majority of your real estate portfolio, I can't even imagine what would have happened during that time if you didn't have those real estate rental properties to. You know, cover the costs of all those things when you were having to liquidate into, um, you know, the legal fees that you talked about for the franchise.
1: I think about that sometime, right? Well, maybe if I didn't have that net worth of real estate, maybe I wouldn't have been allowed to get into the franchise. I think about that too, right? So thank the man above. I had the real estate, (laughs) right? Because I don't know where, don't know where I would be if I didn't have that as a fallback. So, um, You know, I speak on other shows as well about real estate being the eternal savior. Man, it sure was for me. (laughs) That's for sure. So, yeah.
0: So did that allow you to get at least to a break even standpoint after all said and done? Did you get to at least a ground zero?
1: Depends on what you constitute as ground zero. I mean, there was a substantial amount of losses going, taking a chance on that business opportunity. It didn't work. Mm. So I guess you can say so, even though the numbers don't look that way. But uh, look, everything is relative, right? So me and my wife, we we, we kind of look at it two ways, right? We came out of that without no one catching a heart attack and dying because uh, the stress associated with it enough could have been enough to kill someone. And you look at the bright side about it, right? You know, I, I always kind of go back to the notion of that education. Remember, I got that education way back when? Education is the great equalizer. So I was unwavered from the fact of what happened. Look, I mean, you can lose it all, got the mindset and the know-how to go ahead and do it again, which I was able to do tenfold. And then I got into multifamily once we got into Pittsburgh, right? and Started growing the portfolio and starting to do uh, a couple of different things from a diversification standpoint. Life's been fantastic ever since. So that's how I look at it. It's always negative, but you got to look at the positive out of it. Coming, I know you got to look at the bright side. No one's going to feel sorry for what we did. No one's going to feel sorry for the losses. You kind of lick your wounds and keep it going. And that's what has kind of kept me at the mindset today, which is, look, I can't be stopped. And as long as I kind of keep that motivation, good things are going to happen. And man, life's pretty good right now. So, yeah.
0: So when you moved to Pittsburgh, you already had the connections, you had the network to start building out the portfolio again. What did you have to do when you physically moved there and to start rebuilding the portfolio? And then how were you able to start financing from that point on and start continuing to that momentum and continue to grow?
1: Good question. So uh kind of stuck to the model I stuck to before. I'm still... Uh, Even leading up to the time before I was moving, I still was pushing out direct mail campaigns. I still have resources on the ground that are high resources that help me find distressed properties. So the system never really stopped. Given that I'm here now, I'm able to kind of get out and, you know, kind of physically get out and go evaluate my opportunities on my my own, which now I can see versus reflecting on just a picture or something from a resource that I've hired. So um, it's a little... A little different kind of being here now versus before. I was just kind of hands off. I'd go in, uh, you know, a couple of quarters, right, along uh, within the year, and uh, go kind of search, you know, look at the opportunities that I've obtained, kind of that way. So, kind of changed the script a little bit, but uh, it was just business as usual.
0: So, all these properties now—is are they long-term holds, or um, what is it? typical strategy that you have within your portfolio? And then can you share a little bit about that transition that you said that now you're um, in multifamily and in that asset class now?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, through education. So I got into syndications. I'm a passive investor as well as an active investor. And one of the transitions that we, me and my wife had to act upon was, uh, you know, the real estate professional status. You know, this was a long discussion with my accountant also as well. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking, but, you know, how does the IRS view you, right? The IRS views most individuals as millennial capacity, right? So I can't work a nine to five, can't be a professor, can't be a real estate professional. They may not view me as having three, four different occupations, right? So we have to kind of change um, change things around internally. Um, so my wife is now a realtor. She's the real estate professional for the family, allows me to still work my nine to five, which procurement supply chain helps me from a negotiation standpoint. It helps us when we we're talking with brokers and other uh, sellers to trying to get deals, and um, we kind of had to kind of change the internal landscape to ensure we were in tip-top shape uh, from that respective ordeal. But the business as usual, continuously growing, diversifying, getting into other asset classes, and we're looking more into multifamily, uh, particularly even within our own backyard, to try to grow our portfolio and uh, you know push the passion, which is affordable housing, which is our which is what things we're, we're, we're liking to, uh, implement on, on, in our own market. So.
0: And how are you protecting yourself or has your strategy changed at all in the event of a downturn?
1: Uh, well, I mean, uh, when you talk downturn, when you say downturn, I'm looking to try to buy. So, you know, and as uh, the economic professor coming out in me. Well, even when rates are high, I'm still trying to get as many units as I can, Because if you understand cyclical cycles and how the economics of how rates and things go, what goes down must goes up and vice versa. So right now, right, rates, you know, you get a lot of people on the the sidelines, a lot of pencils are down, right? Folks who are multifamily, my pencils are up. I'm trying to get what I can, as much as I can, and accumulate that portfolio. Uh, The amount of doors matters. We kind of can put that together. Rates are going to go down eventually, right? And there's a couple of underlying factors that may hinder that, but understand the trends and cycles of rates and what are some of the triggers from an economic standpoint to kind of, kind of predict where rates are going to go is key in that decision-making. And that really influences, hey, should we be buying or should we be kind of pulling back? But you never, you know, when is there a time not to ever acquire real estate? There's no such thing as there's not a good time to buy real estate. That is a fallacy. There's always a good time to buy real estate.
0: So Melvin, how has real estate investing impacted your life? Oh, game changer.
1: Game changer for me. Uh, one, it has opened my eyes and has helped shifted my mindset in terms of there are options and other ways and the cash flow. I mean, you can't beat the cash flow, right? I mean, the the rate or the cadence of what you're earning, rent income, there's nothing else like it. I love it. I love being a landlord. I love giving folks great, sound, applicable housing, and uh, I love the cadence of the cash flow. That matters at the end of the day. So,
0: I want to touch on this really quickly because I just thought of it as you were talking. Um, you said back in the beginning, the early days, your mindset around real estate was a little bit different. Um, you had the gas on the pedal, but you weren't really full speed ahead. Has that changed to where you are today and you're thinking about real estate?
1: Absolutely. It has changed tenfold. So now trying to buy smarter, trying to get also get as many doors as I, as I can and just kind of keep going. It's a little different for me now because I, I have I have a I have, a, I have a young son who he knows dad's involved in apartments. He knows dad's involved in in real estate. And eventually there's going to come a day where dad's not around and it'll be there for him to kind of do whatever he wants with it. So um, I'm thinking about now a legacy wealth building before when I was, didn't have any kids. I was just kind of like eh, it's a few rentals. The cash flow is good. And, you know, life was a little different. So uh, right now I'm thinking about legacy wealth, legacy building, educating my son. So, what I'm doing now, maybe he can take along and build on it and his kids and so on and so forth. It's about legacy wealth building. So, uh, that's where the mindset is now. And it's key and critical for me to convey that to uh, to my young son. So, yeah.
0: And if there's one thing you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? Don't be
1: afraid to go big fast. Don't be afraid to go big fast. Before, right? Again, the mindset was different. Pick got a property here, property there, you know. I was just like, man, how can I how can I get 10, 15, 20 doors? You know, how can we get creative with what we're trying to do and really trying to enhance the cash flow really quick? What took me four year, four to five years to build? I want to do it in 12 months and we do it again and we do it again and you compound, right? Once you compound that opportunity, right, then you're in a position where you're really looking, looking real good. So uh, it's one that uh, I aspire to do from a growth standpoint. That keeps me fired up. As you can tell, I'm 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 real fired up. I'm fired up with getting you, I'm fired but getting, you know, getting houses. I'm fired up with growing my net worth, and uh, you know, the light bulb went off. It's it's you know, there is a different way. You know, get diversified. That's what I tell everyone.
0: And what is the one thing that sets successful people apart in real estate investing?
1: Take an action. Take step one. Get educated. Get a mentor. Do something. If you don't do nothing, you're done. You know. And I'm I'm big into kind of listening to the podcast, right? Being on podcasts and reading and uh, average equals death. That was one sentence that I heard that kind of resonated like, oh, it was eye opener for me. You can't be average in no way, shape or form. And that's kind of, you know, the method for how I'm kind of living, moving forward, trying to push the needle, keep my foot on the gas, be mindful. And continuously educate myself to, uh, to kind of get to where I want to get to. I mean, look, and it's not about, you know, it, it's about, it's like blowing goals out the water. And that's the, you know, it's like a fuel, right? It keeps keeps the fire going. And that's what keeps me excited. So it's never a dull moment. I get excited. I'm sort of looking forward to the next day, knowing you can make an impact and knowing you can kind of grow and kind of push forward. So, uh, yeah, the adrenaline is different now versus say. 2008
0: 2009 yeah so melvin where can i lister find out more about you and what you're doing sure
1: you can find me a couple of different ways i'm on facebook melvin landry i'm on linkedin melvin landry Um, also you can reach me website is morelandequity.com so m-o-r-e land l-a-n-d morelandequity.com so And uh, folks want to uh, email me, I can be reached at Merv, M-E-R-V, at morelandequity.com. So not too hard to find.
0: Awesome. Melvin, thank you so much for all of your time today. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
0: And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We'd really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review.